So grateful to be back with you today. Uh, we had a great vacation and uh, enjoyed our couple weeks away, and we thank you for that time away. I'm grateful for all of our staff um, who did such a fantastic job stepping in and helping in all kinds of different ways behind the scenes and, and up front as well. So want to say thank you to them. You know, we're very blessed, church, to have a wonderful staff, and um, I'm grateful to work beside these are great people every single day, and um, thank the Lord for them. Over the past few weeks, we've been in a, in a sermon series that we're going to wrap up today. Uh, that sermon series was, is entitled, Not Your Average Joe. And we've been looking at the way that God uh, worked in Joseph's life uh, to enable him to live a life that was anything but average. And I remind you this morning that it's the exact same kind of life that God calls us to. A life that is anything but, but average. Joseph lived an extraordinary life in obedience to God's plan and his will for him through all of the ups and downs that he faced. In the last few weeks we've been talking about some of those ups and downs and some of the downs were really down and some of the ups were really up and everywhere in between. But God used him as he continued to have his heart open to God and say, Lord, all I have is yours, right? He just, we just sang that. Lord, all I have is yours. And, and he allowed God to work through him in a great way. He definitely was not your average Joe. And we're called to live lives that aren't average either. We're called to live lives that reflect the kingdom of God, that Jesus Christ came to give his life so that we could reflect his image in the world around us today. If you're thankful that there's still victory in Jesus Christ today, say amen. And because of that victory, we can live lives that are different than that make a difference. Lives that br bring glory to God. So today, the last thing we want to magnify about Joseph's life that makes him not your average Joe is I want you to see today the not your average perspective. He had not your average perspective. Genesis, if you have your Bibles this morning, Genesis, we'll be looking in chapter 45, and then we'll be skipping around a little bit from there, but we'll start in chapter 45. We've tracked with Joseph over these last few weeks. That you might remember uh, the first week, the young age of 17 years old. God began to really work in his life, and he had some dreams, and because of those dreams, his brothers get very, really jealous of him, and eventually he's sold into slavery by his brothers, but God's with him, right? You remember the story? He winds up in Egypt as a slave in the house of Potiphar, who's the, who's the captain of the Egyptian guard. And Joseph has such a great attitude, even though he's been through so much, he has such a great attitude and proves himself to be so trustworthy as a slave that he is put in charge of the entire household of Potiphar, uh, who had a lot to be in charge of. And Joseph is given, given that duty, and all goes great until uh, finally he's falsely accused and winds up in prison for something that he that he didn't do and at that point I think we would all agree it would have been really easy for him to lose perspective, lose perspective and completely give up on the dreams that God had placed in his heart. But we know that Joseph doesn't do that. He keeps a good attitude and it isn't long as a prisoner. He's put in charge of all the other prisoners. I mean, God's favor is upon him. And the reason is because he continues to keep himself in a position for God to use him. Can I remind you today that we have to have the right perspective in all situations because both in the ups and in the downs, we need to keep ourselves in a position where God can use us no matter what. If you know that's true this morning, say amen, right? It's true today. 
And so he does that. He's put in charge of all the other prisoners. And as you talked about last week, he perseveres through all of these things. God is faithful as he eventually is brought before Pharaoh to interpret a couple of dreams that Pharaoh has. And, and no one else in the land, Pharaoh tries everybody else in the land to come and interpret these dreams, and no one else can do it. But Joseph is able to come and interpret the meaning of these dreams. And so he explains to Pharaoh, hey, Egypt's going to have seven years of abundant blessings. I mean, God is going to bless them, bless us in a way we've never, ever seen before. But those seven years of blessing are going to be followed by seven years of famine like we've never ever seen or experienced before. And so Joseph goes on to advise Pharaoh a little bit and he gives Pharaoh a plan uh, to, put in, to put in place across these seven good years that will help them be able to live out these seven really difficult years. And so as Pharaoh is listening to Joseph share all of this, he decides hey, there is nobody else I would want to be in charge of all that's going to take place over these next few years besides this guy right here. And so he puts Joseph second in command over everything in Egypt. Can I just remind you today that there's nothing impossible for our God. Amen? There's nothing impossible for God. I had to stop my, and ask myself as I was preparing over the last couple of weeks, like, how would this even be possible? You know, we read these stories and we just kind of almost read through them like, okay, yeah, that's good. That's neat. That's okay. This is a huge deal. I mean, God raises him up and puts him in charge of everything there is in Egypt. Think about it. Joseph goes from pit to Potiphar, right? then to prison, and then to the palace of Pharaoh, right? Over everything that there is. Through all the ups and downs that this guy faces, he keeps the right perspective. Through all that he faces, he keeps the perspective, hey, you know what, God? You're in control, and you're in charge and whether I'm in the lowest of lows or the highest of highs or somewhere in between, God, my eyes are on you. He had the right perspective. Let's face it this morning, it's not always easy to keep the right perspective. You can amen that right there. Because it's true, isn't it? I mean, I'm speaking from my own heart. It's not always easy to keep the right perspective especially when things aren't going so well, right? In a, in, in a self-first, self-centered world, in a world around us that reminds us constantly that we need to defend ourselves and stand up for ourselves and not let anyone push us around and not let anyone try to take advantage of us, and the list goes on and on and on. It's hard sometimes to keep the right perspective. And yet, as we look at Joseph's life, we clearly see that he was beat up and he was falsely accused and he was pushed around and there were promises that were made to him that were broken, right? People forgot about him. People left him in the ashes of situations that he did nothing wrong. Can you relate to any of that this morning, right? I mean, probably all of us can grab a hold there somewhere in those things that have happened to Joseph. And yet, as we talked about a, a few weeks ago, Joseph's response to all of these things was the same. He didn't complain. He didn't retaliate. He didn't demand his rights. He didn't start a riot. He didn't form a protest, right? He didn't do any of these things. He simply kept the right perspective. 
He kept the right perspective. What was that perspective? Well, I want you to hear him share it this morning. We didn't, if you remember a few weeks ago when I shared with you, Joseph didn't speak at all in the first part of his story, right? If you look back, I think it's chapter 37. We don't hear anything from him. But I want to tell you by chapter 45, after all this has happened to him, he speaks. And he shares with us his perspective. By the time we hear from him, we can fast forward through the seven years of plenty. The seven years of abundance. And now the famine has set in. Egypt has, so, think about this. Egypt, the Bible tells us, has so much grain in storage, it relates it to the sand in the, by the sea, right? It says that, that they stopped counting because the amount of grain that was stored was beyond their ability to even begin to count it. Can I just tell you that our God is able to do all things? There's nothing impossible with him. I mean, you talk about seven years of blessing. They had experienced it, and now they'd moved over into the seven years a famine. And it wasn't just in Egypt, but the Bible tells us that, that all the surrounding countries felt the effects. Except, in fact, it goes on in one place to say the whole world felt the effects of this famine. So what do they do? Well, the people in Egypt not only turn and, and look toward the leadership, but people in all the countries around them begin to look to Egypt. More specifically, Joseph. And it isn't long that even those brothers... Even those brothers who threw him into the pit and sold him into slavery, they're hungry. Their country is affected by the famine, and they hear that there's food in Egypt, and so they make their way there looking for food, and they don't recognize Joseph, but Joseph recognizes them. Joseph sees them coming. And eventually, after some fun he had, really, I think, as you read that story, he's kind of having some fun with them, some back and forth with his brothers. He finally reveals to them who he is. And here's where we get Joseph sharing his perspective. The first real perspective that he shared, that he's lived by all of these years, right? When he addresses his brothers for the first time. Genesis 45, here's what he says, verse 4. Then Joseph says to his brothers, Come close to me. And when they had done so, do you think they were nervous? Like, come close to me? They remembered what they'd done, right? <laughs> They're probably thinking, no, we'll just keep our distance. Thank you very much. Come close to me. When they had done so, he said, I'm your brother Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed. Do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here. Because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. For two years now there has been a famine in the land, and for the next five there will not be plowing or reaping. But God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to save your lives by great deliverance. So then it was not you who sent me here, but God. He made me a father to Pharaoh, lord of his entire household, and a ruler of all of Egypt. What was his perspective? What does he tell them? He simply says this, God had a plan all along. God had a plan all along. His perspective was that, that the things that happened, that they did, those who, who had hurt him, those who had wounded him, all of that on this day, all of that was coming together. All of that was working to provide him to be the exact person that God needed him to be on this day. Through the good and the bad, God had been with him and had placed him right where he needed to be, the Bible tells us, to save lives all around him. 
Could it be that God really is somehow able to take both the good and the bad that happen in our life and somehow take that and shape it together and use it for our good and His glory? Could it be? Could it be that God is in the business of of using no matter what comes our way to bring glory to Himself and help shape us and prepare us for exactly what He's going to need us to be down the road? Verse 7, God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to save lives by a great deliverance. So then it was not you who sent me here, but God. He had that perspective that through the good and the bad, God had been faithful. Through the good and the bad, God had worked in his life. God had been sending and guiding and directing all along. Now, there's no doubt in my mind that the enemy had tried to thwart God's plan at every turn. The enemy had tried to defeat Joseph. The enemy had tried to get him to give up and give in and throw in the towel many, many times. There's no doubt about that. He tried to steal his joy and rob him of the dream that God had showed him so long ago. In the last few weeks, you've talked about some of those stories about how that no doubt he had to be discouraged at times, right? He had to be defeated, but through it all, he keeps his eyes on God and and trust him in him no matter what. And all these years later, his brothers come to him. And if you read the rest of the story, what you're going to learn is that not only his brothers come, but his entire family comes. Even his dad, Jacob, who had mourned for so long over what he thought was Joseph's death, is brought to him. And God reunites this family. And, and, and Joseph would um, take Jacob to meet Pharaoh. And Jacob would have the privilege of even blessing Pharaoh. And, and then receiving the blessing back on himself where his whole family could, would be together the final days of his life. And when Jacob dies, Joseph's brothers are terrified that after their father's death, that finally Joseph is going to have his revenge. But look at chapter 50, if you'll turn over there with me. He says this again in verse 19. But Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. Talking to his brothers. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me. But God intended it for good. To accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. So then, don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your children. And he reassured them and spoke kindly to them. I want you to hear this short passage from the message paraphrase. Listen to how it puts it. Joseph replied, don't be afraid. Do I act for God? Don't you see? You planned evil against me, but God used those same plans for my good. As you see all around you right now, life for many people. Joseph could see that life was happening for people not just in Egypt, but from every country in the world that was coming to them. Life, life, life. He was able to get, be, the, be the conduit that God was using to give life to the world. Can I tell you this morning and just remind you that God wants to use you as the conduit to give life to the world around you? And what happens so often is our perspective gets off of God and onto our problems. In fact, it happens so much and it takes us so low that we lose the perspective that, you know what, even in the midst of this time and this season that I'm going through in my life that isn't the best, that God still wants to work in me and through me even in those moments to be one that can spread the news of salvation to others around me. He had that perspective. God took the plans of the enemy. God, God took what, what seemed to be defeat time and time again in his life, from the pit, right, to being falsely accused, to, to, to being in that prison a really long time. 
God would use those things for the good. Somehow, Joseph was able to have this perspective. God, I know you can take the plans of my enemy. And that somehow, someway, someday, you can use them for the good. You've had it happen in your life, whether you realize it or not. God has taken things that the enemy intended for harm. He's turned them into good. You've had times where you've faced things in your life that you would say, looking back on it, I would never want to go through that again. Right? You've had those situations. I would never want to go through that again. But as you look back, you can see that God's been faithful, that he brought you through. And somewhere down the road, God provides a window of opportunity for you to come in contact with someone that maybe you didn't even know at that time. And God provides you an opportunity to come in contact with someone who maybe is going through something very similar to what you've been through in the past. And God can open a door for you to be able to say, hey, not, not hey, I know how you feel, I know what you're going through necessarily, but to say, you know what, I can relate. And I want you to know that God's faithful, and I want you to know that I love you. I want you to know that I'm praying for you. And we can take the hand of someone else, and we can walk with them through that situation. You know what that is? That's God taking something that we felt like was really, really bad in our life, and it was. But God's taking that situation, and he's turning it into the good so that we can help someone in need around us. Aren't you glad for the redemptive power of our God? God redeems the bad seasons of our life for his good if we'll allow him to do that. That's what he was doing for Joseph. I can't help but think that if the song would have been written then, that Joseph would have been singing it. Blessed be your name in the land that is plentiful when the streams of abundance flow. Blessed be your name. He had some seasons like that. And blessed be your name when I'm found in the desert place. He may have said, when I'm found in the pit, when I'm found in the prison, when I walk through the wilderness, blessed be your name. You give and take away, my heart will choose to say, Lord, blessed be your name. He had the right perspective. And that's a tough song to sing in the pit. That's a tough song to sing in prison. Uh, for uh, Jaron and Annie's wedding um, shower that we had here, a um, friend of mine um, from where I pastored before came, and he was our worship leader there. And it happened to be on the same weekend um, six years ago that our house had burnt down um, back in May. And he came in, and they were so pivotal. God used them in such a powerful way during that season of our life to help us. And we were talking about that. I said to him, I said, hey, you know, tomorrow was, is the Sunday after six years ago after our house burnt that we were in worship together. I said, you, do you remember the songs you picked out that day? And he's like, I have no idea, right? Um, and I said, the song we sang that morning was, blessed be your name. You give and you take away. My heart will choose to say, blessed be your name. Can I just tell you that that song to me prior to that time had been a song that kind of rolled off my lips at times? Can I tell you that since that day, it's never rolled off my lips? I just think that if Joseph were singing that song, he would reflect back and remember the pit and say, blessed be your name, God, you brought me through. He would remember the prison and say, God, you've been faithful through the seasons of blessing and through the seasons of difficulty. My heart will choose to say, blessed be your name. He kept the right perspective through it all. And can I just remind you, it, this wasn't just a month or two. Joseph was 17 when all of this started. 17 years old. 
And when he stands before Pharaoh, the Bible tells us that he's 30. And by the time his brothers would come and he would be able to share with them this perspective that he's held on to all this year, he's 39 or 40 years old. 22 or 23 years is what we've covered over the last four weeks talking about the life of Joseph. 22 or 23 years. And Joseph was able to have the right perseverance, as you talked about last week, and the perspective that he needed to be able to live this life pleasing to God, that God could use him in such a powerful way. We face difficult seasons in life, but if we'll keep the right perspective, God will be with us. I wonder what difference we could make in the world today if we would just keep the right perspective What difference could we make in the world around us? The souls that could be saved because we've kept the right perspective through all of the ups and downs that we face. I wonder today how God might be able to accomplish His will through you and through me if we just keep our eyes on Him. If we would somehow capture the perspective that no matter what the enemy may try to throw my way, No matter how difficult the season may come, God, I know you're going to be faithful. I know you're going to see me through. And even though I don't see it right now, somehow you're going to work all of this out for my good and for your glory. I trust that, Jesus. God can take his plans for our life and use them powerfully. So very quickly, I want you to see that we need a different perspective. Like Joseph, we need a perspective that helps us forgive others that have hurt us. Joseph had a different perspective that helped him forgive those that had hurt him. It would have been so easy for Joseph, as I've said, to hold a grudge against his brothers. I mean, really, he had years of preparation, right? 22 or 23 years that if he would have just been bitter, by the time those brothers showed up, he would have had a plan all worked out. And I have to believe somehow that some time in prison he probably felt might do him some good. In fact, you know, it would have been easy for him to say, let me give you a taste of some of the things that I faced, right? And even if he fed him, he could have put him in prison that day, and no one would have questioned him, and no one would have done a thing about it, but that's not what we see. Joseph is able to have a perspective that foreshadows the perspective that Paul would tell us to have in Romans chapter 12, where he says, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. A little later in that passage, he says, do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. And if he's thirsty, give, them, give him something to drink. That's exactly what he did, but not just one meal. Joseph would, would have a space there, the land of Goshen, where all of his family would come and live and multiply over the next hundreds of years. Why? Because he had a different perspective. Instead of spending time growing bitter and more angry every day, he forgave and he loved and he allowed himself to be a conduit of grace even to his own family. It's not always easy to be a conduit of God's grace. Thank you. I said it's not always easy to be a conduit of God's grace. I've been thinking about how I could share this story general enough. Um, It's a struggle even for me at times. Um, A number of years ago now, and it wasn't here. I repeat, it was not here. A number of years ago now, um, I was wounded by a friend. And um, this friend is someone who I would have called a brother to me. 
Um, I was deeply wounded and, um, for lack of maybe a better term, betrayed. And it hurt me very deeply. And God ha- helped me over time to be able to extend forgiveness to this person. And um, it, it, was a, it was a matter of me getting before God and saying, God, I can't forgive this person on my own. Can I just tell you that when we will pray that humble prayer before God, that he is faithful to enable us and through his spirit, give us the grace that we need to extend to others. And he worked on my heart in a, in a deep way. And, and I had forgiven him. And I hadn't seen him for quite a while and um, uh, was able to go and preach a service at a church um, where he, he was there in that service. And um, at the end of the service, they asked if I would help serve communion, and so I said that I would. And so I was in, it's kind of similar to our sanctuary, and I was in uh, a line this side over here, and I had the communion elements, and as people would come, I would serve them. And as people were coming forward, it was quite a blessing to serve so many. And um, I looked up, and in this communion line was my friend. And in that moment, all those feelings raised up inside me. You say, Pastor, that's terrible. How could you feel that way? Hey, I am human, you know. (laughs) All these feelings began to come back. And I remember God just kind of whispering in my ear and saying, you know what? Um, We've dealt with this. Either it's real or it isn't. And as I stood before him, I thought about the scripture that, actually, I thought about all that Christ had done for me. And as he's making his way forward, Christ began to remind me of all I'd been forgiven of that I've done. Who am I to hold a grudge, right? And by the time um, he got there, um, there were tears in my eyes as I shared communion with him and and, uh, told him that I loved him. And you know what? Those weren't just words that a pastor is supposed to say. Those are words that came from my heart. I share that with you today to just say that God is able to help us to forgive completely just as he's forgiven us. In fact, I think that's what the Bible tells us. Forgive as the Lord forgave you and me. You see, Joseph had the right perspective, and he was able to forgive those who had hurt him. He also had a different perspective that helped him share with those beyond his borders. God placed Joseph in Egypt for such a time as this so that he could help people beyond the borders of Egypt. The famine, as I've said, was so severe that it affected the entire world. People were coming from far and wide to receive help, to receive food. Um, and, and this wasn't a, hey, I think I'll go to Egypt because I hear they've got an abundance over there. This was, if I don't go to Egypt to get grain, we are going to perish. We are going to die. I mean, that's how severe it was. And people were coming from all around. God had raised up Joseph. Think about this. He'd raised up Joseph as an outsider. He was not an Egyptian. He came as a, as a refugee slave to Egypt, right? And God raises him up to be the one who is in charge of distributing the food to all of the people who would come. It would be, I just, as I th- thought more and more about that, I thought about how easy it would have been if somebody from Egypt had been in charge of this, how easy it would have been for them to say, you know what, we're going to take care of our own. We're not sure how long this famine is going to last. I mean, that Joseph guy says seven years, but we don't really know. All we know is bad right now. And so instead of helping everyone, we're just going to take care of those that are in our own country. But Joseph has a different perspective. Genesis chapter 41, verse 56. Look at that with me. 
When this famine had spread over the whole country, Joseph opened the storehouses and sold grain to the Egyptians, for the famine was severe throughout Egypt. Verse 57, here it is. And all the countries came to Egypt to buy grain from Joseph because the famine was so, so severe in all of the world. God had blessed Egypt for a reason. Catch this this morning. God had blessed Egypt to bless others. God had blessed Egypt to take care of their need, but he had blessed them to bless others. Joseph had a different perspective. And Scripture later would confirm it once they leave Egypt, confirming Joseph's treatment to all of the nations was obedience to what God wanted. Leviticus chapter 19. Here's what is written later. And they're commanded, Do not mistreat foreigners who are living in your land. Treat them as you would an Israelite and love them as you love yourselves. Remember that you were once foreigners in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. Joseph had a different perspective, and he helps all. And this is written, remember, this is written later. This is written after they leave Egypt, and they're going to the land of Canaan. They're taking it in possession of the promised land. And it's like God goes back and confirms, Joseph, what Joseph did was the right thing. Confirmation, right? He saw all people as those in need and was willing to do all that he could to meet the need, no matter where they, would from, they were from. I have to remind you this morning, especially in the times in which we're living, that we don't need the world's perspective. We don't need the world's perspective when it comes to helping those in need. And if I can tiptoe out on a limb just a little bit this morning, and if you'll stick with me and hear me all the way through, we don't need a democratic perspective, and we don't need a Republican perspective. We need God's perspective in how we're to help those in need. We need a perspective of a Christ follower who's desiring to make a difference for the kingdom of God in this world today. And how do we find that perspective? It's not by tuning into our favorite news channel or by following the right people on Facebook. Did he just say that? We find God's perspective by getting into the Word of God. We find God's perspective by getting on our knees in prayer and beginning to call out to God and say, God, I know you love the people around me who are in need. Would you, would you help me to love them the way that you love them? I wonder how much time have we spent praying and calling out to God and saying, Lord, I know we hear the stories on both extremes, but somewhere in the middle there are a group of people who are hurting, I mean really hurting and struggling and in need, and oh God, would you meet their need, and would you help me to understand what I can do to help meet the needs of your people? God, would you help me to know how to love? How should I respond as a Christian? Have you prayed it? And not just with the refugee crisis that's facing our country. But what about? What about helping the people who are in need just beyond the borders of your family? What about helping those who are in need just beyond the borders of our church family? Beyond the borders of our comfort zone? Can I just tell you, there are a whole lot of people that are in need just beyond the borders of our comfort zone. And from time to time, they come along, and they come along knocking on the windows of our comfort zone. They come along knocking on the window, and they say, could you help me? Or God helps us to see, boy, there's a need there. 
Are, are we praying, God, would you help me to have open ears and open heart and open mind, and I don't understand what it is that you want me to do, but God, would you help me know? People all around, do we see them? Do we have compassion upon them? Does it break our hearts? The word for compassion, especially in the New Testament, it means this. It means that you hurt so much. Think about that. That you hurt so much that you're moved to action. I wonder this morning, what hurts you so much that you're moved to do something about it? I mean, what have you agonized over recently? A need of somebody else? What have you agonized over that you just couldn't not do anything? You see, what I'm afraid of is that our hearts, and I don't think this is intentional, but if we're not careful, here's what can happen, is our hearts can begin to callous over. I mean, something can happen to us. We can hear a story about somebody taking advantage of somebody else. The list goes on and on. And it's not too long as we, as we categorize every need as those types of needs, where somebody's going to take advantage of me if I put it out there. Here's the reality. What we need to do is pray and say, God, would you make me so sensitive to your Holy Spirit that I know where I need to invest and where I don't. And God, would you make me so sensitive to your Holy Spirit that I can't go through a week without seeing the needs of those around me and hearing your voice saying, this is for you. I want you to make a difference right here. Because when, are, when we have the right perspective and our heart is open to him, hey, we can't solve all the world's problems. I can't and neither can you. But I can solve the problems and help meet the need in the world in which I live if I'll just look beyond the borders that I, that my safety zone that I've set up. And God can help us. I was so moved Wednesday night. I was so moved Wednesday night. I haven't been able to get it out of my mind all week. In our small group Wednesday night, we're in a study by Louis Giglio, and it's um, talking about comebacks and how God is the God of comebacks, and he can, he can pick us up and bring us back no matter how far we've went. And the story was told about this, this lady who, um, who is an exotic dancer and how that the church that Louis was pastoring, I think it was, about a mile from their church is this whole, whole road with establishment after establishment like that. And this lady had decided that she was uh, going to end her life because of the life that she was living, the drugs, the, the sex, all of the things that were going on in her life. She just came to a place where it was so dark, she was just done, she was going to end it. But there were some ladies, think about this, there were some ladies from the church who had been so burdened for people who were working in this industry that at nighttime they would go down to where these ladies were working in these establishments, if you will. And they would go in the back door to the, to the room where they would take breaks and they would take gifts for these ladies and they would take food for them and then we would come back on their break. These ladies from the church would talk to them and listen and share. And on this night that, that this girl named Rachel had decided she was going to end her life, she, she came to work and, and she saw that those church ladies were back there and the last people she wanted to talk to was them. And so finally she became so angry that they were there that she went back and she, she just said to them, you have no idea what I'm going through. And she poured her heart out to this lady from the church. And the lady listened, and it, when she got done, she, the lady looked at her and just said, I am so sorry that this has happened to you. And she began to weep. 
And because of her reaction, this lady didn't hardly know how to respond. And they began to talk, and throughout the rest of the night they talked. And she went on to find the Lord. Her, her life has, has changed completely today. And that's kind of where the story went from there. But can I tell you what I haven't been able to get out of my mind? Is there were some people who loved Jesus, who were able to get such a burden in their heart for people who are hurting and struggling and suffering that they got outside the borders of their comfort zone. Do you think it was comfortable for these ladies to, to go down in the middle of the night to this kind of establishment? I mean, it almost at first, when you first hear it, you're like, I can't believe they would have even went. And yet, had they not gone, there's a lady who would not be on this earth today. They went, they opened their heart. They didn't know what, they didn't believe me, they didn't know what was coming. There's no way you could. And yet there they were to express the love of Christ to someone in need. You see, what I'm afraid of today, folks, is this. I'm afraid that even if God was speaking for us to do something like that, do we have ears that would hear it? Are we sensitive enough to what the Holy Spirit, that's not for all of us. That's not for everybody. It may not be for you, but what is for you? What is it that God wants to do through you to make a difference in the lives of those who are in great need just beyond our borders? Oh God, give me your perspective. I mean, let me tell you, for Joseph it had to be messy at times. Don't you think? People from all over the world come with all kinds of different problems, wanting all kinds of different things. Don't you think it got messy? Yeah. And let me tell you something. Ministry to the needs of others around us, reaching out to people whose lives are already messy, it's going to get messy. But can I just tell you, I'm glad that Jesus Christ stepped into my mess, aren't you? I'm so glad today that Jesus stepped into my mess and he wants to step into your mess and he wants to step into the mess of the lives around us and he wants to do that so often through us but we have to have hearts that are open to his perspective. Joseph had a different perspective that everyone mattered to God. Can I just say it again? Everyone matters to God. Everyone matters to him and everyone should matter to me. And everyone should matter to you. He wasn't your average Joe. He had a different perspective. This different perspective helped him to bring salvation to the world around him. Joseph was one man. He was one man who said, God, I just want to be what you want me to be. I just want to do what you want me to do. And even though I may not understand this zigzag path I've been on, ups and downs, I trust you. And I believe that even though I'm all the way over here in Egypt, that you can still use me for your glory. So here I am. The salvation of not just the nation of Israel came, but the salvation of the entire world came through one man. I want to tell you today, you underestimate the ripple effect of your life live for God. Joseph had no idea the ripple effect of his life. He had no idea. He was just doing, trying to do what God wanted him to do. He had no clue what would happen. And neither do you. That's why it's so important that you say, Oh God, I need your perspective. I need you to shape my thinking. 
I need you to shape my serving. I need you to shape my life that it can be used for your glory. I'd like for you to stand with me if you would this morning. And Pastor Nathan is going to come. And as you bow your heads today, I just want to pray this prayer with you. Oh God, would you search our hearts this morning? Lord, would you seek out any area of our life where we're maybe holding a grudge? Where there's bitterness, where there's hatred, search me and know, know my heart. Lord, would you search our hearts today and know any area where Lord, we become prejudiced. Any area where, Lord, we've become callous to the needs of those around us. And, Lord, may we come before you today and say, Lord, would you remove my heart of stone and would you replace it with the heart of flesh? Lord, would you make my heart a compassionate heart for those around me? Oh, God, would you help me to be a conduit of your salvation to the world around me where I live every day? God, work in me in this way, I pray. Jesus, make it our prayer this morning. Help us to seek you today, I pray. As Pastor Nathan said,